So today we're, we're doing the uh, raising of Lazarus. And um, before we actually watch the video, if we could, does anyone have a, I guess you don't have to have a cheat sheet, but it's uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. Raising of Lazarus happens exclusively in the Gospel of John. Um, but there are other resurrection stories in the other Gospels, mainly the, the raising of Jairus' daughter. So it's not unusual for Jesus to raise people from the dead. But in Lazarus, it, it actually serves a, a pretty unusual function. So John chapter 11, uh, 1 through 53, it's a, it's a long passage, and we're not going to read it because it's too long. So if you want to read it as we talk, that's fine. That, I won't take offense. But um, so can anyone tell me any some of the unique, uh, you know, just based on memory, some of the unique things about this story, things that are unique to Jesus and then also maybe to the story of the Gospel of John itself. Carol. Well, one thing we waited before he laughed, but what struck me today when you were reading it yeah. was verse 14. And Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is God. Right. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Right. Crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Believe or trust in John. Belief is uh, a trusting, uh, like an overtly trusting sense. Um, okay, now let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's go. Yeah. No, it's very peculiar. Jesus actually really peculiar on many levels. Anybody? Uh, what else? Or Krista and then Aaron. Krista, what were you going to say? Oh, same thing. Oh, okay. Aaron. Right. Curious about like. Yeah, the way that's translated there, yeah. Is it should be this does not end in death or? Yeah. So yeah, the one of the ways you can understand that translation is that the Lazarus death, like Lazarus was kind of a pawn in a kind of a greater story, and you know he had to suffer death. Yeah, like the cause and effect aspect. Um, it's 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 uh it's not. Strictly in that sense. Um, in fact, I, well, Eugene Peterson has the message, which is not a translation of the Bible. It's an interpretation of the Bible. It's not even a, par- it's not even a paraphrase. There's no attempt to... He's, he's telling a story. In a sense, he's writing his own movie script, you could say. And, and I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, but you should look it up. It, it it's actually captures the meaning of the, the text Better. So, when Jesus tells the disciples that this death will bring the glory of God, he's echoing someone else's death, which we'll find out in John chapter 12, his own. In fact, the glory of God is seen when Jesus is raised up from the earth. So, Jesus is already foreshadowing his own death and connecting Lazarus and his together. And that's one of the functions, actually, of John chapter 11. But, so that, the word so that, for me, is a little bit overstated, and that creates the cause and effect. Um, it, it really is, 
the son of you could actually flip the sentences around say the son of god may be glorified through it because this illness does not lead to death but to the glory of god you could translate it that way and that'd be a little bit more clearer um okay yeah so that 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 for me i always thought that well it's good to ask those questions um yeah struck by Thomas's thing. He says, let's go with him so that we may also die with him. Yeah. That's really... What's going on there? Now, yeah. The Jews didn't want him. He said that earlier. That said earlier. Yeah, right. So in John chapter 10, in verse 31 and 39, the Jews picked up stones again to stone Jesus to him. And then in verse 39, again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. And then he went away. Um, so when Jesus says, hey, we're going to go to Judea, you only, or you're only going to Judea now to get arrested, to die, because they have an APP out on them. And so Thomas's response makes sense. Yeah. Jesus is going to the, to the place where you know, it's most dangerous for him. So when he says, let's go, Thomas is, is thinking, this is our moment now. This is where we're going to we're going to go against the authorities and, you know, either Jesus is going to win or he's going to die. Well, in verse 8, in 11, 8, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. So they mentioned it again right there. But Thomas saying that we may die with him, that surprises me. Well, because he's the doubter, right? (laughs) This uh, this is another, uh, this would be one of my arguments to actually say that Thomas has a realistic faith in later in the gospel, in the resurrection. He's not with the... Because why are the disciples in the upper... Not to get on too much of a tangent here, but why are the disciples in the upper room? They're scared. So if Thomas is not with them, one could think that he is not scared. He's like this guy, this Thomas in John 11. So, surely... Yep. And then where he tells the So, in uh, Jesus, uh, the, the Gospel of John says the exact same thing later in John chapter 20. These things were written so that you may believe. Yeah, good. All right, good. So, um, so ja- uh, Lazarus is a little bit of a, uh, uh, a, uh, a poor man's Jesus story in a sense. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a, it works up to a climax, this first climax here in the story. And then right after this, in John chapter 12, he goes, he goes into Jerusalem. He, it's a triumphal entry. So it kind of goes back down and then works up towards uh, Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. So what we see in John 11 is a foreshadow and will be played out again, but differently in Jesus' own resurrection. And, you know, kind of poetically thinking about it, Lazarus gets out, out of the tomb because it's not his job to be in the tomb. It's Jesus' job. 
So Jesus needs to resurrect him because that's not for Lazarus to be in. That's Jesus' spot, in a sense. It's not the same tomb, but, you know, uh, kind of dramatically thinking about the text. So no one gave the uh, elementary school or junior high answer. answer. This is the chapter where it's the shortest verse in the Bible chapter. So Jesus wept. I thought, I thought for sure. I, I, well, apparently that, that's what I think about when I think of John chapter 11. I think of Jesus. Yes, right. Confirmation verse, Jesus wept. Um, no, actually, and, and what's interesting is this is a very common text for funeral text, uh, but usually the first part of chapter 11 is left out <laughs> for, for maybe obvious reasons. All this discussion about being killed and things. Cindy? Oh, I would just notice too, it said that he was dead for four days. Right. Right. Well, yeah, well, yes, exactly right. So the... Uh, right. Exactly. So it serves a different purpose. Four days is uh, dead, dead. Uh, the... the um, the thinking was is that the soul could hang out with the body for three days after their death. So four, it was emphatically the soul's gone and can't come back into the body. It's an old. But of course, you know, I mean, without modern medicine, who knows? I mean, someone could be... Yeah, still, yeah. Not, uh, what's uh, what's his name? Mostly did. Yeah, Max, the... Uh, Miracle Max, thank you, from Princess Bride. Slightly alive. <laughs> okay, all right, anyways, so Jesus' ministry begins with a wedding, ends with a funeral, and John chapter 11 is like the last thing before he enters into Jerusalem for the last time. There's no going back after Lazarus' uh, resurrection. So when it says that people may believe in him or trust in him, we're talking about getting in line with Jesus and heading towards the, the cross. At the same time, too, then those who don't believe will then side with, on the other side of Jesus, which, of course, is, you know, Satan's side. And we'll see that manifested in the fact that in, I think, verse 53, there's a 51, Note 53, so from that day on, they, that being the Jewish authorities, made plans to put Jesus to the death. Of course, if you ask anybody, hey, if you can raise, you know, if you can raise somebody from the dead, that should be a good sign that you might be someone to pay attention to. Um, but of course, for, the, that, for them, that was the reason why they should, he should be put to death. Um, now, what's at stake here? So that's at stake. Um, and also, from Jesus' perspective, what's at, at stake here, too, is uh, Jesus talks to women in the Gospel of John. Chapter 4, the woman at the well. And then now here in chapter 11, we have some of the similar kind of themes going on where Jesus is exclusively talking to women. And in John chapter 4, it's the, kind of regular water versus living water. Now it's kind of regular life versus living life, like the, you know, resurrection kind of life. Um, so Jesus is very interested in giving something that the, the women are desiring, but yet at the same time don't know how to even, you know, ask for it, which is, uh, you know, which is important. I mean, the women serve as a, uh, a you know, a stand-in for everybody, for both men and women, obviously. But 
Um, now, the main audience in this text, too, is the, Jesus mainly talks to the women. So it's, it, this audience is for those who are following Jesus, but yet at the same time are still wondering what Jesus is all about. That's inside the story. Obviously, the, the main audience would be the reader, and hopefully we are in this story in the characters of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, of course. Now, too, normal funeral stuff plays out in this chapter, too, but even is even heightened. So we had a funeral on Wednesday here at St. John. Um, two daughters, hus- both, both daughters had husbands, it, um, and then there was a, another family member who was running late to the funeral. So, of course, my job is to start the funeral on time to exclude that person, right? That's what I should do, right? Because it's more important to start on time than include everybody. No, so we waited. We waited for uh, the, 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 um, the couple to come. And you do that because family matters. So when Jesus is told that Lazarus, whom you love, and Mary and Martha, whom you love, Lazarus is dying, you would think, what would Jesus do? Drop everything and go. But he doesn't. So what's that going to do to the relationship? For Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. What it, what's that? Yeah, it's normal. I mean, you, get, you talk normal, right? I mean, they weren't privy to Jesus' discussion with the disciples. Um, because if it would happen to you, you would have those feelings, and that's exactly why John is telling that story in this way. Um, and on top of that, though, think about the other people at the funeral. I thought, and you hear this in the text, I thought Jesus loved these people. You know, why is he just showing up now? Why didn't he come earlier and save Lazarus? So, and that happens. It happened yesterday when I started, or Wednesday when I started the funeral late. Some people who were not part of the family, came up and said, uh, you know, kind of what's the problem? Why are we starting late? As if it was, you know, my fault. Uh, well, it was my fault. I, I did it, yeah. So if it happens at that funeral, it's going to really happen at this, at this funeral <laughs> because funerals back then were serious business. Everyone shows up. And in fact, at this one, um, I, uh, in the verses, verse 30? Uh, th- uh, 30 and 31. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house... Now the words for Jews is kind of a, a peculiar thing. Most likely that should be, could be translated as Judeans or Jewish, like uh, people of, of Judea, which would be more of a title, like authorities high society, people who are of influence in those times. So we go back. So, so we have a whole, we have an audience of not just p- like people, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and their friends. It was people from probably from Jerusalem coming out, people of influence. So when Jesus is coming late and then coming and starting to like, hey, let's roll away the stone, let's do this and that, you can imagine the tension by people. It is similar to when you have an open mic at a luncheon at a funeral and you say, if anybody wants to speak, and then, you know, 
the grandnephew's girlfriend who he just met last week comes up and speaks at the mic. Everyone's like, who are you and who do you think you are? <laughs> this, is, this is the same response. This is what's happening in the subtext of this, this, this story. Okay, which then kind of sheds light on the, re, the kind of the confusing reaction at the end of the story. You both have people who believe and then people who hate Jesus. Well, maybe they already had hated him when he had showed up. Okay. Um, we've mentioned a few other things already. Oh, so when Jesus says the prayer, he is, uh, that's good for everybody to hear because he's confessing that he's perfectly in line with the Father. He's not a magician. He works by the Father's authority. And that's really important to the story because all through the Gospel of John, Jesus keeps telling people, I don't do this on my own accord. I do this by my Father's authority. It's all by my Father's uh, authority. And of course, if he carries the authority of God the Father, then those Jewish authorities need to either get in line with him or get out of the way, and they don't want to do either of them. They want to kill Jesus. That's the very, the very thing that they kill Jesus for. Okay, so there's a lot of things going on in this biblical text. A lot more, too. I mean, it's a very emotional text when Jesus weeps. I, I don't want to discuss why Jesus weeps according to the text because I want to see the film and then ask those questions based on how the films portray Jesus' weeping, why he weeps. Because it's very interesting. He cries for a variety of reasons, I think, in, in a variety of movies. So uh, the first one we're just going to re- uh, watch is the Jesus of Nazareth movie. Okay. So, initial reactions to that video. I, uh, see, I mean, everyone understands that, right? But, oh, uh, the, yeah, the. Uh, he had a little teary eyed, right? Well, yeah, so, Holly. Yes. Yeah, it's a good interesting. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, that's a fair enough. But uh, what other maybe ideas that you might have from from the film? What, uh, why Jesus was tearing up there, Martha? Sure. That if you believe, right. you too will rise again. So that, you know, that's right. Not that Jesus necessarily becomes overwhelmed, but that for us humans, that's kind of an overwhelming experience. Yeah, right. That's right. That's exactly right. Like he, he's bearing this gift, and he, uh, yeah, I, that makes sense. Right, two times, right? Yeah. He was looking down, and then he looked up, you know, he had the, just the eyes. And it was two moments of uh, faithful, faithful statements. Now, of course, in the Scripture, you know, there's a lot more going on in the Scripture than in the film, right? So there's a discussion between uh, Martha and Jesus on the road, and then, and then Mary, you know, later on. Um, and... Jesus says to Martha with the crowd around him that he is the resurrection and the life. He who believes this, though he die, yet he shall live. 
in the film, who's he talking to? Talking to himself, but of course, as a film watcher, he's not only talking to himself, but to us. That's, it's very interesting. So, and no one has, would have seen him weeping in the film. Maybe, maybe those guys around the tomb, I guess, but the, the emphasis was the, the viewer was seeing him weeping, or in the text, people make a special note, see how much he loved them after he had wept. So, it's a very it's a very purposeful portrayal of the Lazarus that's maybe more focused on something else than what this the Bible is focused on. What would be the main why is the why is this being told? Uh it, it's a, maybe a little bit difficult cuz you got to kind of piece together the last several <laughs> weeks of this film, not that you would remember every uh clip from Jesus of Nazareth. But what would be the main reason why this is shown? Aside from, yes, it's in the Bible. What does it show about Jesus? Well, a little bit, yeah, like he's a, okay. But even, it's more about his power, the power of the resurrection. Because we, we're not going to be able to see this, because the Jewish authorities, um, what really incites them in this film is a assassination plot on Herod by the zealots. And Herod's like, we're done. We're going we're gonna to arrest him. Where in the Gospel of John, the resurrection is the moment where they just can't take it anymore, and they're going to get him. That's kind of irrelevant to the film here. It's just really to show that Jesus has the power of the resurrection. And in fact, too, could you figure out by the beginning of the movie, where is Jesus headed towards intentionally already? Jerusalem. Jerusalem where in Scripture... He had gone away from Judea and Jerusalem, and what brought him into Judea was, in fact, Lazarus, not the Passover or Jerusalem. But, of course, after this, Passover begins, and he's on his way to Jerusalem, which is close, too. But um, it it just kind of shows a little bit of a dramatic license. So, which is funny, because I watched the film. I love the scene's very good. I mean, I like it, right? I mean, it's interesting. But when you start studying, you realize, whoa, this is very different, and it serves many different purposes than perhaps what the story in John serves. Um, yeah, and I, so I ask these questions. These, you know, how does the story function within the movie? It's more about resurrection power, miracle working, than maybe establishing two sides of, uh, you know, those in the kingdom, those against the kingdom. And who's the main audience? I would probably say those outside the film because of what, how Jesus speaks to himself. And Yeah. Uh, okay, the greatest story ever told. I, this is a, uh, so uh, Max von Snowden, I don't know if you guys remember him. Yeah. If you're an Igmar Bergman fan, you would recognize him, which I'm sure everybody is, right? Some of us are. Um, seventh Seal. There's a lot of them. Uh, Strawberry Fields. I don't know if he was in that one, though. Um, anyways, Ingmar Bergman films. Swedish. He's a Swedish actor. That's why he's got the accent. Uh, we did see a, a clip from him, I think, during the temptation scenes. This is uh, Raising a Lazarus, and I, I actually find this very interesting. The three characters at the end were uh, 
obviously the one who witnessed Lazarus rising from the dead. The second one was healed in the synagogue by Jesus earlier in the film. And then the old man was uh, a blind person who now was healed. Maybe. So. Um, okay, that was... Uh, since we asked Jesus weeping, why, why did Jesus weep in this movie? Yeah, well, yeah, actually, Mary Martha's reactions. Describe them compared to the other film. Holly. It's more doubting. Yeah. Um, but it also felt like in this film, his weeping was like for, their, for all of humanity that doesn't understand what he's come to do. Right. And there will be no mourning, no more tears. But they're not there yet. He cries for them. Yeah. That's yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, Mary Martha's reactions. I well, I, first of all, I find them actually more realistic. Uh, in John chapter eleven, there is it, it is unclear Mary Martha's words whether they are faithful or rebukes. They can be interpreted in both ways. Meaning, where were you? And why weren't you here? Um, now, underlying those rebukes is what? Hope. Yeah, hope, faith. Yeah. Trust that God can do this. But they don't. They still don't quite understand even so much what can he, you know what he can do. And then you have this one uh, statement: uh, "Even now, I know whatever you ask, God can can provide." In verse. Uh, if I turn to the right, I think he says in verse 21. There we go. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So he, she's upset, but at the same time, underlying her upsetness is faith, which is, I think, a, the realistic view of the Christian, right? I mean, we should be... I, it's, uh, this is normal behavior in funerals. Sadness and and uh, uh, grief, but at the same time, underlying those is still hope in what Jesus can do. Now, yeah, so in, how did Mary Mar- in the film, how did Mary and Martha interpret Jesus' statements? He will rise again. Well, Well, yeah, he, but they, you know, when he said, yeah, they'll rise again, you know, he'll rise again. Yeah, we know that on the last day. No, thank you, Jesus. That wasn't really helpful. I, I thought that was such a great idea because how many times do we go to funerals and people try to say nice things and you're like, screw you. That, that was awful. And of course, but you're very nice on the outside and, you know, even though you really want to Tell them exactly how you feel, on the, you know. But we're civil and we're trying to be nice. So, but Mary Martha though basically is like, okay, yeah, thanks Jesus. Yeah, we know he'll rise again on the, the last day, but that's not helping right now. Following up on what Holly said, that portrayal of, of Mary and Martha, yeah, was not only realistic; it was 
contemporary. Well, yeah, sure. Reminded me of not even just death. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like that. And, and Jesus's face, though, for me, was very. Uh, I, I found it very interesting. I mean, the close-up on Jesus's face and him asking Mary and Martha these two questions. But of course, who is he asking? The viewer. I mean, he's looking right in the camera. Do you believe this, Mary? Or Martha, do you believe this, Mary? And then you could ask another question. Do you believe this, you, you one who's watching? And I think Jesus' tears, the way I understood them, and I think, you know, obviously it's open to a variety of understandings, is I think Jesus is lamenting just the whole scenario. Like he's sad for them. I think, I think he's sad that he, uh, on a certain level, he caused this. Like he, he caused this grief for them. Yeah, those tears I think are, are I, I like those the most out of the films. Some films don't even have Jesus crying, so, you know, that's a bummer. Um, okay, we, we have a couple other films. These are shorter clips. Those, those were the longest ones. Um, anything else about that? that pe- oh, yeah, oh man. Is. How much is Lazarus actually in the story? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What did you say? You do actually. I, Cindy, man, the, for the first time I watched the film, I thought, "Wow, that's weird." I'm like, Lazarus, not, and then I'm like, "Oh, maybe they're like making some sort of like statement that it didn't really happen. All that matters is that it happens in people's hearts." So, uh, you know, when I watched the film again for for the Bible study, I. Um, I was like, oh, it is in there. I'm, I don't know what I was doing. Either I was daydreaming or I just looked away for a second because it's only there for like five seconds. It's very close. So it's enough to see him kind of out of the tomb. But the main emphasis is not on Lazarus' resurrection, actually, but on yeah, the people's belief, what the results of what happens. Um, Holly. Right. Like telling everyone, Jesus is alive. I mean, they, they were, but like sort of in secret. Whereas here, they're out in the open talking about it, and then they have this Easter music in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I found it. Christmas music, though, isn't it? We do, I don't know why we do it at Christmas time. It's both, right? Yeah. Handles with sound. And their reactions were almost like a horror movie at one point. Oh, yeah. Well, see, uh, yeah, Jan says it's not believable. I, I actually find it very believable for a second. Well, yeah, no, because I, yeah, so let's, yeah, Martha. I just thought, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I like to see some other dynamics that happen. Sure. The guy who announced that Lazarus had Right. Right. Son. Oh, that's actually uh, on purpose. Because the scene is in the morning, and then by the time he gets to Jerusalem, that those you know, Jerusalem is just a walk away from, or Bethany is just a walk away from Jerusalem. It's, it's the light is out. 
Well, right. So I'm sure that the director was like, sweet, let's keep yeah. that in the film. Yeah. But the, the overarching timing was, yeah, very applicable, yes. Um, yeah, now Jan, this is interesting. So Jan, yeah, so Jan, I, I, think, I think the director or, or anybody, actually you see this in uh, a few other uh, Jesus films, King of Kings, if we have a chance to get to it, where the reactions are kind of like uh, terrified and joyful at the same time. In fact, there's only one movie, if we get to it, there's a third reaction, which I find very, very interesting. And it's from King of Kings. Maybe this was much more like this was magic. Well, it, yeah. okay, yeah, that's that's fair enough because that that was a that was a uh, uh, the 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 um, and that that's why I say about how Jesus says this prayer in front of everybody, making sure that everyone understands this is not some sort of incantation or divinization. This is just simply the Father's work in this world now through Jesus. The Father's at work through Jesus, but. The fact is, is that what happened is on some level beyond our comprehension. Because the frame of mind of people is that when people die, they stay dead. So if someone rises from the dead, fear, I think, would be a common reaction, especially now, you know, I mean, you could be a zombie, as far as we know. Because... Now, yeah, so, so, yeah, so Jan, actually, this is interesting because you touch on something else, too, is, so, is something called necromancers, right? You get, I mean, you see those in the Old Testament, and obviously if you, uh, what's the Tolkien book? Uh, the Hobbit, right? The Hobbit, the necromancer. <laughs> um, so, so this idea is like, a, this is like a scary bit. But the man, though, obviously, it, it, the, the, the terror is, is more of a awe-struck. Yeah. Um, okay, if we can, yeah, let's, let's uh, anyways, the, that film is, it's got some really good specific scenes. Overall, it, it's okay, but I think there's some, several scenes in that film that are really, really cool. Okay, um, we're going to, well, let's just, uh, so far, what's been missing in the films so far that, that, that they make special note in there? It's about the timing. Jesus and Nazareth, all they announced was four days, but when they rolled away the tomb, yeah, it was just like, whatever, you know, like, let's just open the door. So I think uh, we're going we're gonna to watch this one film, The Last Temptation of Christ. Now, uh, so, uh, Last Temptation of Christ, this film obviously explores Jesus' human side of things. And um, as in every movie, there's things wrong, and obviously there's some zingers in this movie. But, the, um, but what, what this, this is very interesting. Of course, who are those people? Yeah, the professional owners. Okay. Uh, now that, that 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 obviously that interpretation is much different than I think anybody would imagine on a variety of levels, but there's actually some legitimacy to to this scene for for a couple reasons. Again, the overarching uh, kind of perspective of the story in the film is this you know kind of humanity of Jesus, and the thing is though in the Gospel of John, there's a good argument to say that Jesus doesn't really act like a human. He uh, he is. He knows what he's doing right away. He's very there's no there's no doubting. 
There's no Garden of Gethsemane scene in John. There's no questioning whatsoever in the Gospel of John. John is very, uh, Jesus in, in John is very deliberate. And also, too, you know, his symbol is the eagle because he, you know, talks all this strange, I am the light of the world stuff. So, um, so the, the, the scene itself lends itself to a more kind of divine humanity than, you know, the Gospel of Mark where Jesus is kind of blabbering at the mouth in the Garden of Gethsemane and is freaking out at the end. Um, so the, the story itself kind of lends it towards that. So in this film, you know, they, the, you know the, 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 the Polish writer who wrote the book tried to strip Jesus of all that and just really treat him as, as, as a uh, human first uh, and then unfolding his divinity as the story goes along. So, so that you know, that's kind of the thing. The, the, I don't understand the the CrossFit kind of exercise in the beginning. I don't get that whatsoever. Whatever. Um, the, now, the sound effects in the film, and there was actually in the last one too, I found very interesting. Obviously, the mourners. But um, did you hear the flies? Yes. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. <laughs> um, in the last film, you heard the mourners in the background, but you also heard something else in the background, which I don't know if anybody picked up on that. I forgot to mention it for you guys to pay attention to it. There was chanting, but there was, a, there was actually a natural sound effect. I mean, it wasn't natural in the sense that it actually was happening in the film because there was none of this in the film, but you could hear in the background water. And... Uh, I got to go back and take a look at the rest of the, earlier in the film to see if he's the d- director is actually making this connection between the woman at the well and John 11, which would be holy smokes, amazing. Um, so yeah, the sound effects here are very kind of visceral, because then it's silence and then <laughs> hand comes up. Now, of course, we always imagine too, right? If he's resurrected, of course, he's just like new baby skin, right? Obviously, the Bible doesn't say that, right? And of course, Lazarus is going to die in John 11. You know, he's not resurrected to eternal life. He's, he's going to die again. So the fact that they show his skin still in somewhat of a decomposed state, and of course, by the end of the, end of the clip, though, it's, it's not as green as it was. So I think you know, there's this. And you get to see him later in the film because Saul comes and kills him in this film. You know, Saul turns into Paul, comes to Lazarus, kills him. Because, remember, the authorities are after these people. So, I mean, which I think is, I mean, it's, yeah, later in the film, Lazarus is stabbed by Saul. Because, you know, of course, Saul is a contemporary of Jesus. I mean, this is all in the Bible, I mean, based on Paul's circumstances. So, it's not far-fetched to think that Saul's taking care of these Jesus followers already. Anywho, but you see Lazarus, and he still doesn't look quite great, but he doesn't got all those weird sores on like he did before. I kind of felt like when Jesus took his hand, I thought maybe they, like he's some kind of like film magic literature that he would like, you know. Yeah. Well, it did, it did look like, was, was uh, Jesus struggling? It looked a little bit like the life was being sucked out of Jesus. And what was interesting, too, and this is, I find, the most, most fascinating aspect of this film is what happens to Jesus when he takes that hand? Not only is the life taken out of him, but he goes into the tomb. Yeah, because yeah. it's like death is trying to overcome I know, 
he enters into the tomb, and then that's how he takes, which I thought, I think that's, I think that's on purpose. I think that, that's just not a kind of, hey, um, yeah, this character is entering into the life of, of the dead. Yeah, or, yeah. That's right. The guy who walks down the street falls into a hole. And the three guys come by, and then it's not until his friend who enters into the hole and shows him how to get out. Yeah, I, I do think that's probably in play. Krista. Yeah, you know, so that's Ezekiel, right? Ezekiel does. So Jeremiah, yeah, so I, I, I have a few ideas on that, but I, I didn't actually have a chance to check the film itself. But the prophet Jeremiah and the, uh, the eschatology, the, the, the end times coming, the time where there won't be, uh, you know, God will write things on your heart, the, the, um, Jeremiah 31. I'm assuming that's why he's invoking that name. There's a couple other theories, though, too, about the prophet. In people uh, ask who Jesus is, right? Elijah, Eli, you know, those, those come up. But Jeremiah is one of those two that the Messiah will come. And the prophet, so there's actually two people. The prophet, that's Deuteronomy, and that's in the Gospel of John. People think he is the prophet, the one that is like Moses that will come later. And then Jeremiah. Then and then his father and you know God most high. Um, yeah, I'm, that's interesting that you picked up on. Okay. Um, yeah, I still think the, the 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 reaction of the stink is priceless in the film. I mean, it's so visceral. It, it, it's like so Jesus gets it, and then like one second later they get it because the, the like the, the the stench is moving towards him. It wasn't all at once. Um, if, if, if anyone needs to go, go ahead. I just, uh, I think what we'll do is show the Son of God and the King of Kings. Basically, the King of Kings is kind of uh, very wooden characters. It's a silent film. But there's a scene at the end after Jesus raises Lazarus that everyone's like, uh, or, you know, praise God. And then there's one guy in the corner going, hmm. <laughs> Like, he, he hasn't really figured out what's going on. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, now, the Son of God film, this is, uh, Jesus is a Portuguese model. And uh, this, this, uh, this scene is, um, well, you can just check it out. All right. Uh, the one thing that the film does well is uh, it does connect the Jewish authorities with uh, Lazarus. It's probably only the only one of the films that actually makes that pretty explicit. All right, so Jesus, Jesus uh, this story, I, I, it's hard for me. I can't, I won't ever say, and the life, like a normal person anymore. I am the resurrection, and the life. <laughs> it's very hard for me to mock this film. I, I, it's, it's hard. The, um, yeah. This was obviously from a couple years ago from the TV miniseries that was made into a movie, extra footage in this film. Um, but why is Jesus crying in this scene? Cried cry at the end. Why? I, I don't really understand. This is a, like a legitimate question. 
It was kind of that way. Then it happened, maybe. And they looked at, looked at Martha and be like, hey, did you just see that? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, and, um, yeah, and so, of course, all the words that were meant for the people out there are meant for Lazarus. Like, Lazarus needs to hear these words. Well, he said, Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah, and it wasn't until, of course, the emotional kiss, the kiss of life. I don't know. It was too much for me. It was a little too emotional for me. I just, I couldn't take it. So the thing is, though, is that um, the reason why, I mean, the one redeeming quality of this film as it relates to a faithful rendition of the scripture is the mounting tension between Jesus and the Jewish authorities. Now, the, the thing is, is that uh, the clip before this is uh, Pilate massacres a bunch of people in the city square because he wants to keep any riots down. This happens, and then the Jewish authorities find out about this, and they're like, they're freaking out because they say, if he comes to Passover, what Pilate just did then, he's going to do now, and it's going to be even worse. He's going to go after the temple. He's going to go after the entire city of Jerusalem and lay, lay it waste. So they are kind of contemplating, uh, contemplating what's going to happen. And you see that in John chapter, at the end of uh, John chapter 12, um, I'm sorry, 11, or is it all the way to 12? No, it, 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 yeah, well, yeah, at the, at, the end of, at the end of 11 and then all the way into 12 too when um, Lazarus is killed, uh, that the Jewish authorities are, are thinking, what am I going to do with this Jesus? Caiaphas says, you fool, like, you, you know, don't you know what you're talking about? What, it's better for one man to die than the whole nation to die. Well, it's better for one man to die for the people than everyone die. And, of course, he, he, this, that's true, right? But he doesn't, he doesn't believe what he's saying. He's basically saying, we better kill Jesus rather than have the whole nation be killed. So... Um, the scene itself doesn't for doesn't do it for me, but in terms of telling that the scripture story, that's that's the one thing I think that the Son of God actually does positively. Yeah, Krista. I want to thank you um, for the comfort you gave us um, in the funeral luncheon and funeral um, in in uh, um, uh, and uh, um, I thought it was so wonderful. When you said um, we will see our dead ones. Again That's right. That's right. You're welcome. That's very nice of you to say. Thank you. Um, and that was, and that's the whole point too about Lazarus, the story of Lazarus. When you believe, you are going to enter into this now Passion Week. So you're entering into this time where all we have to live with is this promise of the resurrection that we will see our loved ones like Lazarus. Um, and I think that's why it's interesting that if, uh, in John chapter 12, um, uh, you know, Lazarus is before he actually enters into Jerusalem, there's the plot to kill Lazarus already in place because Jesus doesn't resurrect Lazarus to, you know, know, work on his painting more or, or whatever, his life, you know, his hobbies. It, it's, it, it, he's raising him from the dead for the purpose of 
belief in the Son's dead, the Son of God's death, and that glory too. Okay. Well, thanks for sticking around. Um, there's, a, there's actually a really interesting film called The Gospel of John. We, we didn't get a chance to see it today, but you should check it out too because it is, it's, like, uh, it's supposed to be a rendition, you know, word for word. They use a voiceover a little too much, but I really enjoy the film on a certain level. But the raising of Lazarus is kind of interesting. Based on our discussion today, you'll you'll see things. You'll be like, "Hey, wait a second, why didn't they show that?" Even though it's in the Bible, and so let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.